before your throne of grace. We can find mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. And we need you every day, every minute, every hour. You are the air that we breathe, Father. You're a heartbeat. We thank you, Lord, for being the life that we live. And we honor you and we love you today in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Praise God. So uh, today we're going to talk about the fact that we are the walking dead. Amen. We are the... (laughs) We the zombies. (laughs) You know how people, when they hear about, when they see all the people coming out, they get scared. But that's us. Amen. That's us. That's us. (laughs) Praise God. The Lord wants to let you know that what you die to is powerless against you. What you die to is powerless against you. I was thinking about that. I said, Lord, I get up and talk about being on a diet, getting on a diet, losing them pounds and all all the time. And he said, what you die to is powerless against you. (laughs) Hamburger, you have no dominion over me. I'm dead to you. Uh, (laughs) Cupcake, I'm dead to you. Um, (laughs) Praise God. (laughs) In in a a way, we do not exist anymore. Amen. Our old man, you know, is crucified with Christ. But we need to know that we're not just dead to some things, but we are alive to other things. Just like the zombie people. They're dead, but they're alive. You got me? And so that's us. Amen. Uh, God's covenant requires that we die. Every covenant does. Ooh. That was good. That's a good response. And all the married people said, I'm a dead woman. Amen. I'm a dead man. Uh, die to what you want to do don't you amen so when you're in covenant and that really is the purpose of covenant to make of two people one and if they're both still alive you still got two people don't mess with me amen if you're still both alive you got two people. You don't have one yet. One become one comes into being when both die. Uh-huh. So you die as two separate people, and then you're raised up as one person. Amen. <clears throat> the Bible says that they will leave. Father and mother, leave whatever you used to do. So that's your dying right there. Or you die to the old life. And the two become one flesh. The greatest evidence of that is your offspring. That word has to manifest as true. Amen? Now, same-sex marriages cannot become one. You got me? There's no evidence them, them two is one. They just living together, pretending. Man, people who are not married formally... And have children are not one either, not spiritually speaking. Amen. They have not died, 
to self and merged as one person. Uh, And so anybody who's been married and has been successfully married, you know the challenges to marriage come when you try to remain one person. Mm. People don't like this. Everybody's all liberated. and uh, I do my own thing. I got my own paycheck. I, when I was married, I had my own paycheck too. It just had his name on it. Mess with me on that. So covenant requires that we die. So we're going to talk about what we die to and what we come alive to. Because there is no new covenant without resurrection. Man, uh, if, if you remain just in the death condition, you're not really living the life that Jesus wanted you to live. You have to come alive to something. You're still breathing. You're still uh, living physically. And you have to come alive to some purpose. You have to come alive to some something in life. Uh, Christianity has had a, a rough history of just dying to stuff. You can't do this. You can't do that. You can't do that. You can't do that. You can't do that. Well, that law was done away with the way it was administered. Well, we live in the, the era of the do's, not the don'ts. Amen. So while we have died to something, we've come alive to something at the same time. That life of Christ now is able to live fully through us because we have died to the old man. His desires, his sinful lusts, etc., etc., and we have come into a new life in Christ Jesus. So any covenant that teaches you only what you cannot do anymore and doesn't tell you what you are to do it's why jesus when the last instructions he left was to go into all the world there was a do there it wasn't a don't eat this don't eat that don't do this don't do that the new testament would be very short if it weren't for the fact that that don't do stuff keeps cropping up in the minds of see a lot of the epistles were correcting what's known as legalism or the old law, amen, the dictates of the law, uh, the law of Moses that they had, taste not, touch not, handle not. Well, Apostle Paul, can we go in church with our head covered or uncovered? You know, that kind of stuff. Can we eat certain meats and do we have to be circumcising? All that stuff. Why? Because it, it's just kind of human nature to try and take over God's job. And want to start to live in the don'ts and staying away from certain things and not doing certain things mainly. If you don't get involved in the life of Christ and understand what he has put you here to do and start doing those things, then you're going to be hard pressed to, to live a joyful life. You're gonna, you, you, you will be a, a dead person for real. 
you'll be living a life of death even though you're supposed to be alive in Christ Jesus. So God's covenant requires that we we all die to all aspects of the old life. All of them. All of them. And, And God then raises us up in new life. I don't care what it is that you had in your mind you wanted to do. You've got to let that go. Huh? This is where people get mad at you. Well, there's nothing wrong with it. I don't see nothing wrong with me. What's wrong with me? You mean I can't do so and so and so and so? Can somebody kill this thing for me? It keeps. I think that's my little Tweety Bird that keeps going. Yeah, just shut it off for me, please. And <clears throat> so, you know. We don't really trust the resurrection life that God has for us. That's what it is. That's the new thing. And we don't really trust that if we step into the new thing that God has for us, you know. For instance, if God says, well, I don't want you to, you're single, but I don't want you to get married yet. You wait on me for the right timing, the right person, blah this, blah that, blah that. When is it going to be my time? <laughs> See, we don't trust. Ah, see, we think we trust in God. But if you keep asking, when is it going to be my turn? I got me a dress already, God. And go and tell the truth. You got your eyes on some band already. You're scared. See, that's what you're scared about. You're scared God ain't going to let you have him. Listen, I got time today. Y'all ain't pushing me. I ain't going nowhere. (laughs) Well, we prayed about it already. You ain't done nothing. Huh? It's quiet in here. See, we don't trust the resurrection life. Why? Because we've never lived it before. It's normal not to trust what you don't know about. That's why Jesus said, put all your plans down. Take my yoke upon you and learn about me. Instead of begging me for everything, trying to hold on to stuff you had when you was in the world, put that down and learn about me first. And you'll find out I'm not here to take nothing from you. I'm not here to make your life miserable. I'm not here to tell you what you can't do every day. I got a lot of stuff I want you to do, but you can't do it acting like you acting. See, I want somebody who's going to believe me, trust me, love me, put me first, treat me like I'm God. See, I'm looking for them kind of people. I ain't looking for people still trying to hold on to, huh? He said, if you mess with me, I'll let you have that man you want so bad. (laughs) See how life treats you then. Listen, dying to self, that only stings for a little while. You get over it real quick. You know why? Because the minute you die to it, he raises something else up that's much better that fulfills you and fills your life. Huh? 
You're not living in the cravings anymore. And the gotta have. And if you don't get this, you will, oh, if I don't get this, I'm just going to be really ticked off at God. Like he cares. Huh? (laughs) A girlfriend that used to use the term a tempest in a teapot. Huh? You're just boiling over with you in a little teeny little pot. You're just boiling over mad at God. Huh? See, we don't trust that God can choose a life for us that's better for us than the one we choose for ourselves. <laughs> you have to live the God life God gave you to live. You can't live the old life and please God. And he is looking for people who will trust him enough to let things go and allow him to bring what he has already lined up for you. He's got a whole life planned for you. And your little plans that you bring along to the party just don't fit in. Period. And don't go around bargaining with him and seeing if he would God if I if I do this, will you let me do he's not but he doesn't but he ain't no gambler. You know what I'm saying? He doesn't bargain with us. He's holy and what that means is that when he thought about you and planned a life for you, he knew what he was doing. His plan was right and perfect from the beginning, and he doesn't have to alter his plan in order to please you. He'll alter you so that you fit in with his plan and you can be satisfied for a change. I don't care how many dresses you buy, how many men you marry, how many, that part of your life won't satisfy you until you let God step into it and take over. Now, for people who, you know, their relationships is the main thing in their life, there's a, there's a story for you in the Bible. The woman at the well. Jesus said one thing to her, and she liked to got slain in the spirit. Up till that time, she was running the conversation. Huh? Just running her mouth. And, uh, all he did was ask her for a drink of water. And she started off going to take the conversation where she wanted to go. He said, uh, go get your husband. Huh? And she told the truth. She said, I don't have a husband. Oh. I don't know if that was somebody else's husband she had up in there or they were just shacking. He said, that's true. He said, the other five you have wasn't yours either. You understand what I'm saying? So let's cut the game, sister, and let's get down to business. What did she say? She ran off. She didn't tell the truth. She didn't tell him what she said. You know, I ran into a prophet and he told me everything. (laughs) Oh, we need to have prophets like that. That tell you what you need to know instead of what you want to hear. (laughs) 
She left out of there and her mind was in shock. She couldn't quit talking about Jesus. <laughs> she must have had a horrible reputation. What did people say? They said, we want to know him for ourselves. We, we, we want to know about him, but not because of what you said. Because your, your witness is shot in this town, sister. We know who you are, too. Do you see how powerful truth is? Even if the witness is shot, truth will prevail and provoke people to want to know for themselves. <laughs> Go figure. I mean, God is awesome. He's powerful. He's powerful. So we cannot live in life and death at the same time. But we can be the walking dead and walk in the new life that Christ has given us. When we receive Christ, we resign from our former desires and plans. This is what people don't want to let go of is plans. All my life I've been wanting to dwell you in a different life now. That's your old life. We ain't talking about your old life. We're talking about a new life now. Huh? So if, if you haven't let all of that go, it's never too late to do it. Just, God, uh, you know, uh, I realize I've been trying to make something work that I was trying to work before you met me. Not that God won't give it to you, but we got to trust him to give it to us the right way. The other thing in the right time, and I don't mean chronological time, but I mean timing of things in our lives. You know, when God calls people to ministry, it's because people need somebody to go tell them right now. People are praying for change. They are praying for help. They are praying now for things. So he can't wait to find you a good man, get married, have 15 kids. You ain't, you ain't, what's her name, Duggar? Ain't but one of them. Thank God. Quiet as it's kept. You know, her kids try to imitate their parents and they run into trouble they need to find out what god has for them you know maybe god don't want you to all the kids to have a baby every year and and had a buddy system you understand what i'm saying maybe he wants something different for you get on your knees and pray for the life that god has for you 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 don't have to imitate anybody the way to honor your parents is to serve god Give God freedom. Amen. It's interesting. The two older girls now who are married are talking about adopting children. Know what I'm saying? (laughs) Oh, Ma, you did that already. You know, that's cool for you. But we got to pray in here for God for for ourselves. The one couple are, are, are missionary. You can just see their hearts in the mission field. I mean, they are so content and, and zealous to be over there helping people 
who are already here. They have a heart to do those things. And thank God the parents taught them how to spend their lives doing those kinds of things. But that doesn't mean they have to do everything that the parents did. You got me? And so it's the same way with us. God is trying to spare us, amen, of falling into the same pattern or falling into a familiar pattern and understand that he has a pattern for us, you know. Who knows, but God might have motivated those parents to have all those children so that he could have laborers, amen, and people in the ministry that he can trust with his word to go all over the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So you have to follow God's plan for you. You just can't follow a tradition. You can't follow, because tradition will find you, whether you're trying to follow it or not. And it's not always the good traditions that will find you. If you have traditions of poverty in your household, those will find you if you don't get under the blood and live in covenant with God. You understand me? If you have traditions of illness and alcoholism and all of those things, those traditions will find you if you continue to walk in the old ways. So God is trying to introduce us into a new life, but we're going to have to trust him. That he knows what you desire. He knows what you want. He wants to turn that desire into a desire for him and let him add things to your life as it's right to add them to you. Sometimes you have to stop what you're doing and do what God called you to do. I tell the story about my husband's conversion. You know, I was reading in the Bible, and it, it, Paul said, are you married? Don't seek to be loosed. Dang. <laughs> oh, wake up, everybody. It's messing with you. <laughs> when you marry, sometimes you have days like that. <clears throat> he said, are you loosed? Don't seek to be bound. Ow! You mean I don't get no husband? I don't get no wife. What did he say? He said, don't seek it. He didn't say you wouldn't get it. Don't you seek it. You seek me. Just a thought. People who think they're running out of time to get married eventually do run out of time. You've got to get that out of you. You've got to die to that. Now, and then let God raise you up into the life he wants you to have. While you believe in God for a spouse, go clean your house. Go learn how to cook. Go act like you're expecting somebody for dinner. And somebody will show up. Huh? Set your little extra place at the table. Lord, I'm just doing this, you know, it's, it's by faith. I'm showing you my faith that I'm trusting you to bring the right person to me in the right season in my life. Amen. Cooking, cleaning. Amen. You don't shop in the drive through There's no drive through grocery stores. Go buy some groceries. Go put them in your refrigerator. Buy some vegetables, you know, cook a few vegetables, you know. Stay off all of that bread and 
mayo and all that kind of stuff, you know, and just have a normal meal, you know. Brothers get sick of that stuff. If they wanted McDonald's, they could go there by themselves. They don't need you to. Just saying, just saying. You know, when I was growing up, my mother made us clean. She made us cook. You know why? She knew we wouldn't do it on our own. Well, Mama, I'd be glad when I'm old enough to leave. What you going to do? What you so hot to do? So I can keep a nasty house. That's what everybody has in mind. So they don't have to do something that you're trying to make them do. And that's the way we think about God. We don't want to release things to him because we're scared. He's going to make us do something we don't want to do. <laughs> he don't send scared people to do nothing for him. You understand me? You you are not a candidate. If you scared, you you stay home. That's in the Bible, man. Every time they went out to war, they say, "You scared? Go home. You scared? Go home. You scared? Go home." The faint-hearted go back home. Because you let that fear get infected on all of us. That virus will jump on everybody. (laughs) He just wants you to learn about him. Why? Because there's too many lies perpetrated about God. The average carnal mind thinking about God is not thinking the right way. God is the enemy. God is out to to rob you of something. He's not going to let you have something that you're supposed to have, you got to have, and all that kind of stuff. (laughs) We don't have time after we're saved to waste time. After your salvation, every day counts, every minute counts, every hour counts, everything counts. You're You're on a time schedule to accomplish what God has purposed your life to do. Remember that purpose teaching everybody was talking about? All these little fads go through the body of Christ. huh? You got to walk in your purpose, and you're doing the same thing you did 10 years ago the first time you heard that teaching. You ain't walking in nothing. Huh? Because we don't die to anything. Huh? Many of the sermons we've had over the last at least 30, 40 years that I know of did nothing but feed your flesh and your carnal frame. God wants you to be a millionaire. You don't have a millionaire gift. Ain't nobody paying for you to, to come in late and have somebody else clock in for you. That ain't millionaire habits. Huh? Come on now. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna, uh, have many businesses. You ain't got one. Huh? Don't even file your taxes on time. Some people had tax returns piled up for eight years and scared to file them now. You know what I'm saying? You ain't millionaire material. Come on now. You be in jail so fast, God is not going to give you millions and you're not faithful with your paycheck.
There ain't no million. And you don't run in them circles where you're going to marry somebody that's rich. So just cut that out. We scared of rich people. You don't even know. You wouldn't even know how to date somebody rich. So just stop it, okay? Just stop it. But we don't have time for a lot of foolishness and shenanigans and, you know, wanting to do our own thing. And then God got to stop us 15 times. Like, oh, God's dealing with me. God's dealing with me. God's dealing with me. It's dealt with already. All you got to do is die to it. And if you have a hard time dying to it, ask God to kill it. But we got to have a funeral here. Amen. You just get to die. You don't get to sing no songs. You don't get to have a eulogy. You don't get, you know, none of that. No trimmings. You just get to die to things. And watch if God don't raise up something better in you that you never thought you could do before, never thought you could be before. None of that. Death to the things of the world brings dignity to a person. If you don't believe it, look at people who crave the world. Look at the drug addicts. Look at the prostitutes, the fornicators, all those people. They, they have been dragged down in a place so low that many of them don't even know that there's a better life. Don't even understand that there's a better life. And God, if you, you know, God has mercy on you and you find God and you start to die to that, he raises you up in dignity. You can sleep at night. You can look at yourself in the mirror. Not afraid to run into people. Huh? <laughs> I remember when I first got saved, my the Lord put me to work uh, serving my husband. Yeah. See, most people recoil at that word, serving. Huh? And I'm not going to say, and he served me too to clean it up. I don't know what he did. Because I don't know what God told him to do. I had to take care of what he told me to do first. I had a hard time running my life. I didn't need to run his life too. But I tell this story since he's passed away. I had just enough time to serve him, pray for him, and see him saved before he left this earth. So I can tell you for a fact, we have no time to waste in do-overs. You understand what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, yeah, I thought that was God and I messed it up. I want to do it. No, you ain't got time for that. That's why God says die to it. If you die to it, it don't live anymore in you. You're not craving it anymore. You don't want to sell your soul for it and do anything you can to get it. Huh? He kind of brings you into a, a, a sh- he shocks your soul into a new reality. You find there's a lot of things you thought you had to have you don't need. You know, when I was in the world, I liked nice things. You know, I grew up in po- poverty and I, you know, I got old enough to, to speak a little French, I wanted designer clothes. Don't tell me I can't have them neither. Huh? 
I was single. I bought and paid for them. had the finest of the fine. That's why now when I'm saved, then people don't move me. I died to it. See? I had it. I died to it. And I'm not moved by it anymore. So now that I can take extra money that I would have spent on very expensive clothing, I can buy something for the saints and bless them with something and do some nice creative things in God things with those things. Huh? And the closet is still bulging. I got clothes in there. I said, when did I buy this and who did I buy it for? You understand? Well, I don't even recognize some of that stuff. Huh? I'm not moved by it anymore. Why? I gave it up. I died to it and God raised up something better in its place in me. Huh? Worth a thought. You know, we first sold handbags for a while in, in the ministry to, to kind of raise money. And them fake ones look just like the real ones to me. You know, I'm going to pay $1,500 for a, a, a Louis Vuitton, a real one, when I can get the fake one. And looking across the room, they look just alike. And I don't run in no circles where nobody tell me that's a fake purse. You understand what I'm saying? Nobody, who knows? <laughs> I know it's illegal to have them. And all. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a thought. It's a thought. I hope he's in heaven, but, you know, that's the important thing to me. Did he get saved? While everybody wearing his name down here and he's important down here, is, is his name known in heaven? You see what I'm saying? It's the stuff that's important. Amen. So Romans 6. <clears throat> verse 2, he says, uh, verse th- 3, Know you not that so many of you were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized unto his death. So if you identify with Christ, you're a dead person walking. The first thing that happened to you when you got saved was you died. Water baptism is just a symbolic uh, picture of what happened to you spiritually speaking. Amen. You were buried in him in baptism and then raised up. They don't leave you in the water. You drown for real. They dunk you in and pull you out. You went down dirty and came up clean. Amen. You went in unrighteous and came up righteous. You went down unholy and came up holy. Amen. And he says, for verse 5, if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. So you can't die in Christ without being raised up. It's one operation. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, and henceforth we should not serve sin. So you don't have to do. You don't have to. People say things, I just can't quit. It's not that you can't quit, it's you don't quit. You don't take it seriously enough to want to quit. Just a thought. He says, our old man is crucified with him that the body of sin might be destroyed. 
So the body of sin in your life has been destroyed already. Serving, you know, accepting sickness is a deception. I see people that young people come into ministry and they've been here for years and then they start sleeping around. You know what I'm saying? Think they sneaking. Huh? You sneak to your own peril. Huh? But they don't have to do that. See, what happens is, you, you know, whatever you feed on and meditate on will move you to obey it. I don't care if you don't want to do it. The devil will hound you long enough with something you don't want to do and then pin you down and convince you that that's what you do want to do. He make you feel guilty for thinking about it. And say, well, maybe maybe that is right. Maybe that is what I like to do. I keep thinking about it. No, stupid. You need to just talk to God and tell him, Lord, my thoughts are driving me toward the devil. Help me with my thought life. Huh? Go get in your word. Romans 12 says that you are transformed by the renewing of your mind. Not sitting up thinking about something you know you got no business doing. You know, the devil will send you dreams. I used to, sometimes I would wake up with a dream and I couldn't think of what it was, what I was dreaming. And then through the day, a flashback would come to me. And I said, God, wait a minute. You didn't send that to me and I don't want to be thinking about that. Amen. So I repent, Lord. I'm, I'm asking you to forgive me for even dwelling on that and take that out of my mind. He'll do it every time. The blood of Jesus is is very efficient to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So he says, verse 8, now if we, he says, verse 7, for he that is dead is freed from sin. Got me? So if you're dead to it, you're free from it. It has no power over you. Now if we are dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. So it's not just dying to something where you can't anymore, but it's one operation. You die to something, you raise up into something else. You're not just a dead person with no life. You're the walking dead. Huh? You're dead to sin but alive unto righteousness. You can do anything righteously that God requires you to do. How many of you talked about the Lord all the time when you first got saved? Remember that? Should still be doing it. Huh? We go through these seasons, we say. We don't do that as much as we used to. But let me tell you why you did it more then. You were more dead to certain things than you are now. You didn't care who didn't like it. You didn't care what their reaction was. You didn't care what they thought about you. You didn't care because you were a dead person walking. Now that you, you, you know, now the devil's hounding you, making you think about it twice. So you go to witness to somebody and a thought comes to you after you do it. I wonder if I said the right thing. Hmm? And if you don't challenge that devil when he comes to you, 
listen, there's no wrong way to give water to a thirsty person. You can throw it on them. You can give them a little cup. You can give them an eyedropper. There's no wrong way to give water to a, a thirsty, dying person. You keep trying to, trying to do your witness thing under your own power and see what you get. Huh? You'll be like certain TV preachers. Don't want to offend anybody. When you cross over that line, you already killed your your witness is long shot. You understand me? Long been dead. You want to let your witness live. You want to die to what people think about you again. I could care less what people thought about me as a brand new Christian. I just wanted to tell them what Jesus had done for me because he had done a great thing in my life and I knew it. I knew it, and I knew that I had to tell somebody about it. And I, you know, if, if they didn't like what I said, I halfway cussed under my breath or some said something nasty to them, but I told them about Jesus. Huh? A little Muslim in my building came up there and was you know, asking me for something. He's diabetic, and he had taken insulin, and... You know, it was acting funny with him. I was a nurse, you know, he knew it. And so he came up there. But it wasn't nurse time. It was Jesus time. Huh? And I was going to give him what he asked for and just let it go. But he was, he, all of a sudden he said, now which way is Mecca? And started trying to turn and pray to Allah. And I, I cussed him out. I said, Allah ain't bought blank up in this. And you, you'll eat, then I pray to him up in my house. In Jesus' name. Whatever. You understand what I'm saying? But it wasn't holy. Not totally. But something rose up in me that knew that was wrong and I couldn't allow it to happen. He got on his little funny knit hat, you know, Brother Omar. So, Brother, I said, but I said, man, you know you know about Jesus. Don't come up here with that. You know what I'm saying? Don't do that in my house. Huh? Aubrey looked at me when he started turning to Mecca. He, Aubrey looked at me and said, man, you on your own. And he went up in the other part of the house and he knew he was in trouble then. My crazy wife is saved. <laughs> Got me? But I had confidence that I was a new creature, that I was doing things differently now, and that God did not approve of this guy calling himself a Muslim standing in my house praying to his God. You don't pray to nobody else up in here. Allah don't pay my bills and he don't pay yours either. He's dead. Amen. Okay. Romans 7. <laughs> I don't recommend that route. But if that's the best you can do, that's the best you can do sometimes. You know, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't in a church. I wasn't a refined person <laughs> like, like I am now. I wasn't as refined as I am now. Whatever. 
Romans 7, verse 4. Wherefore, my brethren, you also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ. So if you're in Christ, you are dead to the law and the curse. And having to complete the whole law unless you break everything. He said that you should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. So you're married to Christ. You don't join Christ to anything else. You don't join him to sin. You don't join him. Shall the body of Christ be joined to a harlot? Absolutely not. You join Christ to the things that are holy that Christ ordains for you. Stay in the cut long enough to learn about him. All it takes is daily contact with God. I found that out. Just through my daily reading of the word when I was a new Christian, I learned so much about God and what he expected. And that's all he expects for any of us, to take his yoke upon us and learn of him. Amen. Learn of him. Ephesians 2.1 says, we were dead in trespasses and sins. Amen. But we voluntarily die to that so that we can live in Christ. So now where you were dead in trespasses of sin and thought you were having a good time, he says now we can voluntarily die to that old life and live in Christ. All you got to do is let it go. Huh? I like that little commercial. Everybody's seen that little, there's a new uh, uh, app website called Let Go. Huh? Or people, it's hard for them. The minute they, the minute they post it, somebody shows up and buys a thing from them. Amen. So the minute you post, or the minute you let go of what you what you think is so important for you to hold on to, God takes that away and gives you something better immediately. Immediately, you are put into. You don't have to sit there and wait and wish you hadn't done it, and grieve for it and want it back. He immediately replaces it with something new. You know, I was so concerned when I first got saved, I I had a nervous breakdown. I was recovering. I was so afraid I'd never be able to go back and do my old job anymore. Because everybody had seen me in the nut house. Everybody I worked for, you know, you know how people buzz and talk about you and all that kind of stuff. And I thought, well, Lord, who's going to hire me to to work again? What what am I going to do? And God said, I've already hired you. You got a job. Huh? He said, I don't want to hear nothing else about that subject no more. And we didn't talk about it no more. Huh? We don't talk about that anymore. We talk about my new occupation. Why? I died to that. Huh? I'm dead to that. I don't want it anymore. He's put a new desire in me. Amen. Before I was saved, I couldn't. I didn't want to stay on a job. Hated everything that I did. Couldn't understand. I thought there was something wrong with me. No, I just wasn't saved. Huh? I've held this job longer than any I've ever had. It's been thirty years, more than thirty years now. Amen. In Christ, we have immunity. We have invincibility. And we have invisibility. Colossians. Yeah, you're powerful in the Lord. You stay in Christ. You walk this life of holiness. You stay over in the realm of the spirit. Don't come out and visit the old haunts. You don't need that. 
Colossians 3, 3, 3, 1, if you then be risen with Christ, seek those things that are above where he lives. Set your, set your, set, set your affection. In other words, don't move it. Don't move it around. Like today you want to be holy because they ask you to sing in the choir. Huh? And then tomorrow you, it's, it's okay for you to sing in the club. See, your affection is not set. It's moving around too much for God. See, you move around too much for God to use you. Because if God don't want you, you know, he don't like crossover people. I found that out. You, you don't cross over and then come back. Huh? You might forget where the hole in the fence is that you sneaked out of and can't get back. The devil loves people that sneak over in his territory. Huh? He'll hit you with stuff. And then you get around the saints and you wonder why they treat you funny. Well, they didn't see me out there. I don't think nobody nobody in here saw me at the club. Yeah, but there's a certain thing called reproach that comes on you that puts a distance between you and obedient people. You think God's going to come and let you evangelize somebody, a bunch of people out into the club because you like it out there? You're crazy. Set your affection. Just leave it set there. Don't move it on things above, not on things of the earth. For you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. So your real life is hidden where the enemy cannot find it. You know... You know the hurt that you put on the devil's kingdom when you win a soul to say nothing of if you win a soul like a Billy Graham who can go and, and be obedient to God and win that number of souls. And you know the hurt you put on the devil when you, when you he'll kill you if he could. But he can't find you because your life is hid from him. He can't get you to kill you. Your life is here with Christ in God. So that's what makes you invincible. That's why you can, you can declare the principalities and powers and manifold wisdom of God, and they don't come and take everything from you. They want to, and they will threaten to. But they can't take anything from you. Can't take your life. What you scared of? You had nothing to be scared of. My life is hid. I went to, uh, uh, I was around some people, I guess you could say. It was uh, classmates of mine, high school classmates. So I was, you know, being friendly and everything. And, you know, they kind of like, oh, okay. Who invited the preacher? Yeah, bummer. I'm over that, okay? But, uh, you know, it was just like a... So I said, oh, Lord, I was just trying to... He said, no, you don't try with them people. 
said, I'll bring the people in your life that you need. Amen. Always have, always will. Huh? Sometimes your intentions are good to want to share Christ with people. But if they're not on your agenda to share them with you, your name ain't on that miracle. You will not perform that miracle. You understand me? I mean, it's good to be open to share Christ and and obey the leading of the Holy Spirit. But if people start to back away from you, that means that they are not invited to participate in your life. Not everybody gets to come to your party. You understand me? There are certain people, I can remember certain people, uh, you know, we were uh, submitted to as far as learning from their ministry. And the Lord would never have me connect in a fellowship way with those people. You got me? Was invited to. You got me? And something always happened to crash the party. Until I realized that God says, when I put you in in submission to somebody, you need to learn how to connect in the right way. You connect in the way that I have ordained for you to connect. You learn from them the way I've ordained for you to learn. But I don't want you to to get into this position where it's easy for women in ministry to feel like they gotta have this over them and gotta have it, you know, gotta have gotta have a pastor, gotta have a this, gotta have a that. You don't gotta have nothing that God don't tell you gotta have. Now I'm not against people. If God told you to do that, do that. But it's been a train wreck for me most of my life because most people don't even understand what I do let alone be able to supervise me in the doing of it. Which is, an, which is another whole thing. If God called you, you don't need a supervisor. You just think you do. Most of your organizations, they don't pay your rent. They don't send you people. They don't do anything for you. you got to do all the work yourself. Amen. So you better get to getting doing it. But yet they want you to send them money. They want to tempt. They want to look at your books. They want to look at your records. They want to look at all this kind of stuff. You let them steal from God's people if you want to. But I'm telling you, God's closed the door to me on so many people so many times. And I'm thankful for it because some of them, you know, when, when their ministry goes off the rails, then you're glad you didn't connect with them in a real way. You got me? Some people never recover from that fallout. You don't need all that stuff. You know, the, God didn't get anybody's permission to call you to ministry. He called you by yourself. Huh? People are crazy. Now, I fellowship with a lot of people, huh? Bishop Russell and I have been friends for a lot of years. We respect one another. We work together. We get God's work done together. But as far as somebody being over somebody, we don't play them games. Amen? We're shoulder to shoulder as ministry gifts. You got me? You know, if... If we're going challenged, being challenged by something, it's not a problem for me to ask him for prayer or for counsel. I can do that. And same vice versa. But we don't have to have all this, you know, structure. Structure gets you in trouble sometimes. 
and ship starts going down, you got to learn how to tread water. You got me? So what's the key to your spiritual victory? It's righteousness. The key to spiritual victory is righteousness. Righteousness. Now, what does righteousness mean? The Greek word for for righteous, really, the, the interpretation is a judicial verdict. So you have had you there has been a a judgment rendered in your favor. Righteousness is against sin, and is for holiness and purity. So God has judged you righteous. You came in a sinner. You've been sinning all your life. Doing wrong all your life, smoking weed, sleeping around, shooting up, whatever you did, you know, or maybe you were just an alcoholic, you know, high class, drunk, whatever. You, you know what I'm saying. I mean, just whatever your party was, you, you came in from the party, hung over. And God looked at you, and because you repented and confessed and asked him to come into your heart, he says, righteous. Next. case dismissed how were you judged righteous the spirit of christ came to dwell in you that's your righteousness as long as you obey that spirit you can walk in righteousness before god what does righteousness really mean in everyday life it means to be right in all areas you can't be right in some and wrong in others His righteousness puts you right in all areas. You think right. You speak right. You talk right. As long as you yield to that spirit, everything's right. So don't go judging. Did I say that enough? Did I do You couldn't do it better if you tried. Got me? It means to be right in all areas. It means to be holy, right thinking and speaking. Righteousness, that word, if you say it, it, it's right wiseness. And that's, you know, the old English, and it was just translated as righteousness. It is a spiritual force we have access to and yield to when we have a covenant with God. So you have access to righteousness at all times. It's never put away from you where you can't get at it. You just yield to it. Amen. You know you've done wrong and and you're condemning yourself. You confess your sins and righteousness. You put on that robe again. You got me? Quit playing around with the devil. You know, and and looking for more more free passes to do wrong. You know, Paul says, shall we all sin so that righteousness abound? God forbid. You don't sin to prove that grace abounds towards you. It's not a free pass to sin. Grace is is the God-given ability to live above sin, to live in righteousness. You're graced to live in righteousness. We have the approval, and we have a God-judicial approval. We are approved in God's eyes. He approves of us. It matters not that your neighbor thinks you have a bad habit that gets on their nerves. We are stopped so much by what the other guy thinks about us. Huh? 
It don't matter if if Miss Avis if her laugh drives me crazy, huh? And it doesn't. You got me. It, but it doesn't matter if it did. It don't matter. You got me. It doesn't matter if you have a habit of if I ask you a question, it takes you 15 minutes to answer, and I stand there with my eyes rolling back at night. God, there we go again. That don't matter, huh? I gotta love you anyhow. It don't matter. It don't matter if if my crazy nail polish is crazier than it was last. Why she put that on like that for this time? That don't match nothing. It doesn't matter. Amen. I have been judged righteous before God. I'm approved in God's eyes, and you are too. That means you're able to perform completely whatever is right. You're capable of doing it. Don't ever handicap yourself and say you can't do something. Amen. You're capable of doing anything that's right. Amen. We're approved to righteousness and its works and its benefits. So you're approved to receive the benefits of righteousness. You're approved to receive healing. You're approved to receive your deliverance and and, and, uh, victory over certain things that tend to want to oppose you. We are dead to the limitations of the natural realm and the powers of the natural realm. So you're dead to the limitations and influence of the powers in the natural realm. You don't have to be influenced by it. You know, if somebody tells you you can't do something and God told you to do it, you don't have to be stopped by that. And you don't have to argue. This is, this is what we do. We get stopped by the devil and pick up carnal weapons against flesh and blood. And don't spend your life trying to prove that, oh, you know, uh, my haters, they really going to hate me now when they see. No, your haters, they ain't got as many as you think you got. And you need to start really loving yourself and quit worrying about people that you think hate you. Quit being a legend in your own mind. You know, people are just totally nuts. They think they're so important. You know, and you'll see see people, ministers and Christians talk like that. I said, what is wrong with people? My goodness. Yeah, you know, and you know, you hear preachers preach like that. Oh, God is gonna bless you. Uh, you got greatness in you, and and when your neighbors see that, they just gonna fall out. No, they ain't, cause you ain't gonna get there. It's all in your mind and his mind. Some of these people preaching greatness aren't as great as they think they are. There's only one great one, folks. Jesus Christ the righteous. So we're able to escape death by sin in all of its forms. Because he lives and our lives are hidden in Christ. And the evil one does not touch us. Amen. First John 5.18 tells us. Your life is hidden with Christ in God, and the evil one touches you not. Don't talk about what the devil is telling you and how much he's trying to get you. And 
you're the only one who makes it obvious that you're there by talking about him. If you shut up, he won't even know you're there because your life is hid with Christ in God. This is why we can challenge the devil on all levels and not fear his retaliation. I know many times when I started out, you know, as a Christian, I was always scared. Well, if I if I find the devil, what's he going to do back? He ain't going to do nothing. Uh, You need to look up the definition of bind. It's so obvious you feel really stupid sometimes. You just, but see, that's the condemnation reverb that will hit your head when you start thinking about doing certain things. So I decided that I would do it like I did. i um, trying to think who was, who was a mean kid. In the, you know, was, you remember Bobby and Dita, you know, two girls. We, we didn't like them. <laughs> he was scared of them. Right. And so I would I would do something like I see one of them. I never mess with them together. But if I see one by herself, I wouldn't hit her and, and ran in the house. See, I decided to do that with the devil. You understand what I'm saying? God, if I can't do nothing, I can hit him once and see if he's going to hit me back. If he don't hit me back, it's a lock, okay? I can do this for the rest of my life. Amen? And he tried. He'll try and intimidate you. He'll send spirits to retaliate you and against you in your mind. And tell you he gonna do this and do that, you know, uh, you know if if you you know in in parents you have to be careful. The devil, uh, you know, if you do that, don't make your kids sick. Just watch. Remember, so and so kids got sick. They're a preacher, and they they doing more than you do. And they kids still got sick. No, but mine ain't devil, because you didn't let me know where you are. I know where to pray. Huh? And I'm not scared of sickness. God can raise it. Jesus is the healer. He'll walk in fear of anything. But you don't give him permission to put it on you either. The evil one touches us not. Amen. So in living your life as a walking dead person, there's some things you need. I think it's beneficial to do. Number one, commit to live out of Romans 12. One, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind every day. Spend time meditating the word. And I mean, this is after you call yourself mature and know the word. You need to refresh yourself because walking around in your house by yourself can wreck your head up. You know, it can mess your head up pretty bad. We are transformed. New people changing every day getting newer and newer by the renewing of our minds you know challenge it cast down imagination second corinthians 10 5 and 6 any idea that comes to you that does not line up with god's word or that gives you fear you cast it down and you don't think about it just leave it cast down don't give it your attention this is how abraham had a son when he was 100 years old. You understand what I'm saying? People say, well, you know, they lived a lot of years back in the Honey, 100's 100. He got up every morning for 100 years. He ate three meals a day for 100. That's a long time. I don't care care if you live in the life and, and, you know, just brand new all the time. 100 years is a long time. 
But the Bible says he considered not. That meant if a thought came to him that you're too old there, he didn't even think about it. Most of us, we take a thought and invite it in. We, and many times we don't even know it's a, it's a thought from the enemy. We don't, we don't even check to see it. We meditate on the wrong things. Most of us have had demons telling us nobody liked us all of our lives. Why are you listening to it now? You're a new creature. Huh? And what do you care if people like you or not? You ain't running for Miss America. You're trying to live a Christian life. You understand me? You, you are not looking for votes. Huh? Likes and don't like, you know. You know, when I was first on Facebook, I wanted so many likes on my stuff. Now they got some more stuff you can comment. What's that little kissy thing on there? They can kiss you? Or I said, no, this is getting really stupid. Now I ain't going to. Don't kiss me, okay? I'm allergic to other people's saliva, whatever. I mean, but you know, you can really make yourself stupid with this kind of stuff. So let's, you know, you have to think, you know what, I need to cut this out. <laughs> this is not a popularity contest. Huh? You need to guard what you watch over. God gives you things to be responsible for. Every Christian. You're not here just to pray for when you want to for what you want to pray for and then let it go. You have an assignment. When, when you read that your whole household will be saved, that's a mandate for you to believe God to save them. And to be a witness and to live right and do all those things with the vision of seeing your household saved. Huh? Many times we put them on the back burner and then want to go out and save souls elsewhere. It, won't, it don't work like that. It don't work like that. If you don't have a heart for your own flesh and blood, my goodness, you, you think you care about the lost out there, but you don't. Don't try to fool yourself. I hope I'm not being too hard on anybody. (laughs) I don't care. No, we need to grow up. Brother Summerall tells a testimony about a woman in his church that came up and told her that God wanted her to go to uh, China and preach to the natives in China. He says, your husband saved? No. He says, stay here and get him saved first. God ain't calling you nowhere. Don't go over there and waste somebody's money or go on a shopping trip. You know what I'm saying? Buying them cheap purses in the bazaar and stuff like that. He ain't sending you over to no China. So we're to guard what we watch over, defend the faith, don't retreat or move from your stand in God. Make sure you're standing in God. Amen. Standing on God's word for something that's God ordained for your life. Don't give me this, I know that's my husband. That you need to let go. That's such an important step in your life. You don't need to, you don't need to guard somebody to, to move into your life like that. You know, if if that person's for you, God will have them asking you instead of you. (laughs) 
he'll make the other person aware of it. Let me put it that way. Huh? <laughs> we heard the cutest testimony of a, a Russian couple. Uh, they were there was a gentleman and, and they were newlyweds. And I said, well, I said, how'd you meet? I said, you seem to get along so well. He said, oh, we we used to street evangelize together. She was from one church, I was from another. He said, we neither one of us thought nothing of it. He said, one day I just looked at her different. He said, and I spoke to her, I said, you know, I just think God told me to pray to see if, if you were supposed to be my wife. She said, you mean you haven't prayed yet, <laughs> comrade? Amen. We have nice Russian wedding, you know. <laughs> but you see, she never mentioned it to him. You got me? You wait for God to tell Wasn't long before it went a couple of months and they were married. You see what I'm saying? Don't take long for God to move. Does not, he's not torturing you with loneliness. He's just trying to get you to, to talk to him because he's your real friend. Jesus is your friend first before anybody else is. Amen. So what is our goal? Amen. It's walking dead people. Psalm 149. 7 through 9, and then we'll end with that. Come on, I want Psalm 149. I was almost there. It says, let the high praises of God, verse 6, <laughs> be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand. Amen. You praise and whack. Yes. <laughs> Hallelujah. Cut the devil. He said to execute vengeance upon the heathen or upon spiritual forces and punishments upon them. Amen. To bind the kings with their chains at the princes, nobles, and princes in the air. To execute upon them the judgment written. You tell the devil what's written. That puts him in such judgment that he can't get out. Amen. It is written. Amen. I am healed. It is written. Jesus is Lord of my life, devil, and not you. It is written. My children shall never beg bread. It is written. My children have the mind of Christ. They're not autistic. It is written. Man, tell him what's written and pretty soon he won't be able. He don't like what's written. He doesn't like to hear it. Huh? Any more than disobedient children like to hear you got to get up and clean your room. When you start telling the devil what he what the word says, he wants to flee in a hurry. And so that is our job, to execute written judgments. That's why you die to the world. So that your words can be strong words against the, the sin of the world, against the judgment of the world, against the world system, all of that. Your words can be powerful if you're not over in the playpen with the devil. You'll never execute judgment standing on his territory. So you got to stand in your righteousness, that righteousness that's been uh, uh, delivered to you. 
that righteous, that judicial law that says that you're no longer a sinner, man, not and not and not a sinner. I'm a sinner saved by no, you're a saint. Let's bring that up to what the <laughs> the Bible refers to you, amen. You start saying that, you wind up in sin again if you're not careful. But God wants us to be who He has called us to be at all times. And don't be afraid of the enemy's devices, his threats, his taunts, his anything. Amen. You have a decree that says that you are righteous in Christ Jesus. When you're in Christ, you know, the evil one touches you not. So walk in the spirit. You know, don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Don't get over there. God wants something from you. Let him have these things. Amen. He knows what he's doing with your life. Trust him. And he'll raise you up in greatness. Amen. For real. Amen. All right. Father, why don't we stop? We thank you, Lord. We bless you and we praise you. We honor you for who you are. And we thank you, Lord. Bless the name of the Lord Jesus Christ forever and ever. If anybody needs prayer, come on up and I'll pray for you. And we'll set up our tables and have lunch. I think Mr. Howard's fixed us burgers today, which is nice. And so praise God we'll bless our bread and water whatever you eat it's blessed it's fine for you amen don't have to be worried about anything praise God amen anybody need prayer come on up and I'll pray for